1: Hello, everybody,
0: and welcome to the Animal Files Podcast. We have another amazing guest. We are going to be talking to Allison Pearson, who is the owner of the Stress Free Groomer in Suffolk, UK. And this is a nice one because she helps dogs. I'm assuming dogs mostly, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I do do cats, but yeah, dogs mainly.
0: Well, her clients are those that tend to be a little bit uneasy about grooming. And she has a way of calming them down and teaching them in ways to let them know that grooming is fun and good. And it's a good place for them. So it gives them a good experience. And I really like that. I'm looking forward to our conversation. So I'm just gonna toss it over to Miranda and she's gonna get our interview started with our questions.
1: (laughs) Well, until I met you, Allison, I had never heard of a groomer offering any kind of stress free services for their clients. Really? Yeah. Maybe they do, but they never specifically stated that. So, you know, I love the fact that that's something that you emphasize in what you do. And I feel like it's really important because it's actually listening to the animals and their needs instead of just forcing things onto them oh totally yeah yeah so what led you to specifically choose to offer stress-free grooming for pets
2: i think it has to be back when i was still training Um, i went to a seminar and there was a, a lady there that she gave us a really powerful demonstration of what it was like for a dog to go to a grooming salon and she gave us this little exercise walk you through the exercise if you'd like Mm -hmm. so if you close your eyes and imagine that you're in a foreign country your friends taking you somewhere and they just leave you you don't know what's going on then these people come over and get you and they're all speaking a foreign language they try and put you in a chair they try and cut your hair you keep trying to put your hands up to stop them but they hold them down and now you need to go to the toilet but they don't understand you you're then put in a small room and you still need to go to the toilet so you end up weighing yourself and then you're getting shouted at. Eventually your friend comes back.
1: How do you feel? Um hmm. so this is just a short example of how some dogs experience going to the groomers. Well, that's powerful. Yeah. I think that's a really good example.
2: Yeah. And that really brought it home to me is like, okay, we're just taking these dogs and we're just maneuvering them around. And it's like, maybe they're not comfortable with that. That maybe there's a different way of listening to them. And it's like a lot of people, I think, forget that. And it's like, yeah, but the dog, we just need to do this, this, and this. And it's like, no, maybe you don't just need to do that. Just slow that down a bit. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: I like that approach because I think we as humans, we don't, I'll, I'll rephrase this when it comes to animals, we just assume that they're going to follow our orders or uh-huh. they don't have a mind of their own or they need us because they can't exist on their own. We have this weird it's almost like a control mechanism around animals and we think that animals can't think for themselves and, you know, how could they exist without a human? We need to think for them. Yeah. And I think that is where We completely fall apart in the animal human relationship because we just assume that they don't have a brain, they don't think, they don't have fears, they don't have emotions. And I love the fact that your approach is bringing them into the conversation. I say that in a lot of our podcasts and a lot of our talks about bringing the animal into the conversation. They need to be a part of Uh, the decision making in ways that you would bring in another human into the decision making yeah and so I really like that I just wanted to take a moment let you know how much I appreciate that about how you approach your work
2: yeah you'll get the other side though whereas people say consent the dog can't actually give you their consent and what so they can because it's like yeah they're pulling their legs away they don't like you either holding that or you're holding it too tight or they don't like where you're holding it it's just change change your position change where you're holding them on the dog don't hold them so tight it's just it's these little things yes he can't say oh yes that's fine but he's telling you in different ways it's like when they go to bite you it's like I'm not going to bite you because I need to bite you You're just ignored all the other warnings that I've given you. So biting is my last resort.
1: Right. right? Yeah, that's another thing that we talk a lot about in our shows is that our animals are communicating with us all the time, but we don't recognize it as communication. We recognize it as, oh, they're behaving badly or they're being divas or they're being whatever, you yeah. know, term we kind of attach to yeah. It. Yeah. insert descriptive here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so silly, yeah. And so we end up becoming reactive to what we perceive as being a bad behavior instead of stepping back and trying to see it. Okay. What might they be trying to tell us what might be the root issue here that we can try and address?
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean,
1: some of the bigger grooming salons, you get a lot of people all
2: in. Some of the dogs don't like lots of dogs all in. So the, the, the dog goes home and it's all like cowering in the corner. And mum's thinking, oh, well, it didn't really enjoy us. No, but that salon may not be right for that dog. It's not that mm. he didn't necessarily enjoy the grooming. It could be the grooming salon was too busy too many things going on they get get overstimulated so it's sometimes it's about finding the right groomer for the dog not that they didn't enjoy the grooming Mm. it just might be that place wasn't right Right. it's like people just like oh well my friend goes there and everything's great Mm -hmm. your dog may be a little bit more I'm going to say bomb proof but a bit more resistant to big spaces with lots of dogs whereas Fido down the road Mm -hmm. might just need a one-on-one groomer with nobody else there so
1: yeah i think that's another common mindset that seems to be attached with animals is this idea of one size fits all kind of thing and that they're not individual so they should all respond exactly the same way they should all feel the exactly the same way and you know if we think of animals as sentient beings as feeling thinking creatures or sentient beings then, you know, we recognize that it's a lot like, if we maybe choose to go to the doctor or some place like that, we, well, I mean, some people will sort of choose whatever doctor or something that is closest to them, regardless, or because of price or whatever, there are some people who will do that. But there are a lot of other people who will be Going based on their feelings. Like, do I feel comfortable with this doctor? Do I feel comfortable with the receptionist? Do I feel comfortable in the clinic itself? You know, and they'll seek out different places until they find the fit. Yeah. If they, if they yeah. have that opportunity. Yep.
0: I do that. My vet's 45 minutes away and my doctor's over a half an hour yeah. and I choose them because I like them mm-hmm. yeah, and I trust them not because it's convenient for me because it's not, it's very inconvenient for me, especially if there's an illness or something involved, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, it, the environment and the energy of the space and the person is really important to me. Yeah. And especially with my vet, one of the things they've been shifting over the years and now it's a stress-free environment kind of like what you are are creating where like you walk in there's no phones ringing there's no activity in the reception area they play spa like music and frequencies for the animals everything is very one color and very low stimulation factor for the animals and yeah I'm gonna keep going to them until it got to the point where it's too inconvenient for me yeah because I want my animals to have a good experience and not to go into a crazy high energy high busy environment because that's just not fair
2: to them yeah Mm -hmm. yeah for a lot of them it it can overstimulate them and they they come home and it'll take them days to get over it and it's like what have we done differently well you've been to a grooming salon where there's been lots of dogs in there and your dog may not feel comfortable in a cage next to another dog that's barking all the time so Mm -hmm. and you they may not see that all they've seen is oh well fluffy's been to the groomers and they've come back and she's
1: worried that's like
0: yeah yeah. it's like post-traumatic stress syndrome
2: Mm,
1: yeah do you ever deal with clients that If they talk to you about having brought their pet to a groomer and the groomer just kind of forced whatever process they were going to do on them, whether it was shaving, bathing, whatever the case may be, and then the animal, the dog, the cat ended up having some behavior challenges afterwards, and perhaps they may have blamed it on the groomer themselves Is there a way that you address those kinds of issues with any new clients that you get? And do you ever have like resistance or misunderstandings or anything like that when you try to talk to them about these types of things?
2: It depends, I think, on the owner and the situation. So if the owner knows what's gone on before, what's upset the dog or why they've had a bad experience, then yes, it's easier to help them. I have a, a client at the minute. She has a, a large breed dog, like a St. Bernard, that sort of oh. size dog. Mm-hmm. So a really big dog. She'd been to a a groomers. I don't know the groom. I don't know what her setup was or anything apart from the lady said she put the dog on a table, a little table. So she looked like an elephant on one of them circus podiums, mm-hmm. raised the table up and put her in the bar Oh, oh. and then tried to turn around. So she's now been to me I think three times we can't get her anywhere near the bath she is petrified of going anywhere near the bath mm. so it's like mm. it's literally little and slow steps we get She know now come into the salon have a wander around and then sit down so I can get a brush on her for a little while and then she's she's out of there but it's just silly things like that it's like you need to take into account the breed of what the dog is and what they're known for and this breed she's not a saint bernard but i don't want to say what she is just in case yeah. they're known for being stubborn so you don't take a stubborn dog and try and force her around mm-hmm. it's not fair on the dog she doesn't want to do that so right, yeah. she's she's now upset so it's like i don't want to go in there she's gonna hurt me or make me go in this small space and want to turn around so she's literally only allowing me to brush her for about five ten minutes so i can sometimes trim her feet she's not got big fluffy feet anymore. Mm. And I think oh, a couple of times I've managed to clip out her pads for her, but she's really not happy about being there or anything else. We've, we've not got to that stage yet. So
1: right. So you're what you're doing is you're building that trust with her to help her to feel like it's safe for her to allow you to work on her and that you're not going to hurt her in any way yeah yeah
0: I love that approach
1: that's the only way is to sort of go back to basics and sort of
2: introduce everything slowly and it's like you've got to have the guardians on the side at home as well wanting to work with her as well because she's not accepting of the brush at home so it was like Mm. we've got to do little and little and often that's the only way she's ever going to get any better yeah Mm -hmm. i just
0: love that approach incremental is the only way change actually happens and if you can start small and allow them to feel comfortable and secure in that one small act they're going to allow you to do another small act yeah brilliant Mm -hmm. because the important part is the animal's security Mm -hmm. how they feel not what you think is secure but how they see it. Yeah. That they feel secure. And that's the important thing. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. She because she's not even keen on getting onto the table. Cause I think she's obviously maybe the table wobbled when it went up before. And she's got this fear of, okay, I don't really want to be shaken and all this. So we're comfortable on the floor. So we work yeah. on the
1: floor. Right. Well, I would imagine there's probably a lot of animals who feel insecurity when they're not able to have all four feet on the ground. I guess so, yeah. Only, I'm going to slightly contradict myself with this because
2: <laughs> when we do puppy intros and the owners are struggling at home I say where do you brush them and they're saying well on the floor and so I say you need to be picking them up and popping them on a counter or on a table like on a towel so they can't slip or anything but once they're up they're down on the floor is play time up means we're doing something else even if it's just two minutes we do a quick brush and then we pop them down So we need to get them used to being up. So I don't want to think that I'm contradicting myself, but it's like, we do need to get the puppies used to being up. So that we need to groom when we're up and down is playtime.
0: Yeah, well, I think that's a great way to do that because it's almost like when you have a human child, let's say you're homeschooling a kid. This is where we homeschool and this is where you can play. I mean, that mentality is, I think, a universal mentality and I don't think you're contradicting yourself because I think your approach is, yeah, you, you want to teach them how to be in an, an ideal position where it can be a long lasting for their life. Yeah. So yeah, separating that's good. But if you have an animal that already has PTSD, or you have an animal who's already insecure in that position, you have to work with that animal. Mm-hmm. And who knows, maybe at some point that large dog, would feel comfortable being maybe two inches off the ground, yeah, because he knows that that's where we do the grooming, and then here is where we we get the goodies and the treats and stuff like that, yeah. you know, like that that mm-hmm. type of thing. Again, incremental, uh, and so I don't think you're contradicting yourself. I no. mean, there is an ideal way, then there's a compromise way, yeah, and that yeah. you have to kind of institute both of them in a way to give an animal a full round experience for a lifetime. Of grooming. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're not just going to groom them once or twice. You're going to groom them for the rest <laughs> of their life. So, <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think people forget that when they get a puppy, it's like, oh, yeah, we got cute little fluffies. It, oh, the breeder says, oh, they don't need to be groomed until they're six months old. And it's like, yeah, okay. We've got this like cockapoo that's come in at six months old. It's never been brushed. It's like yeah, the groomer said it didn't need to be groomed. It didn't mean it didn't need to be brushed. So, it's like sometimes mm-hmm. I think the breeders need a little bit more education on some of these fluffier breed so
1: right well even if they're not a long-haired breed and they would never get shaved or most of those grooming procedures that you would get done at a professional place, Uh it's still beneficial for them to get brushed on a regular basis because it will help to dislodge any loose hair that might be there. But it also is very beneficial for their skin because it stimulates circulation and lymph nodes and all of that kind of stuff too. So even if people are not necessarily needing a professional groomer, I think that it's important for them to realize that brushing is important for every single that they have at least every pet that has hair anyways (laughs) yeah
2: yeah Yeah, but it also gives you a time to bond with your pet because it's one-on-one you're sat there with your cat your dog whatever and you're just brushing and what better way to bond with your pet than just giving it a little loving stroke with a brush
1: yeah yeah, and I just want to kind of go back for a moment too, for the um putting them on a table or lifting them up to go into a bath or something like that. Like Victoria was kind of saying, it's kind of their innate response, I think, or instinct or whatever you want to call it, to want to have all four feet on the ground, But we can teach them and work with them to feel safe, to be up higher instead of just forcing them. yeah, you know, because anytime, you know we force someone, whether it's an animal, a child, an adult, to do something that they don't feel comfortable with, there's going to be resistance. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, all the time.
1: Yeah. It's like if you put a lead on the
2: dog and you're starting pulling it one way, the dog's going to think, no, nah, I don't want to go that way. And he wants to pull the other way. As It's, it's yeah. just natural. Yeah. So I, I tend not to work with a lot of restraint. So I have a, a neck restraint for when I'm drying because it sort of gives you an extra hand. So, just mm. so they got the gist of the table so they can go to the edge or they can walk around. But then as soon as the drying is finished, I've normally got two hands that I can put one in front of their chest, hold them there and then just groom. And they're, they're much happier like that than rather, mm-hmm. okay, I've still got this thing on my neck. I don't quite know what I'm doing. And yeah. they, they do calm down.
1: So. Yeah, I think that there are some groomers who use that neck restraint I think maybe their mentality might be like, oh, well, it keeps them on the table so I can walk away from the table and do something for a few moments and come back. Yeah. But I've also heard stories of when that happens, there have been dogs who have tried to jump off the table and end up strangling themselves.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and There was a horror story that I had a couple of years ago. Somebody had had a puppy on the table, done that, wandered off, and the dog had fallen off the table. Whether the neck restraint wasn't that tight or whatever, but it'd fallen off and broken its leg. Oh, mm. yeah. poor thing.
1: Yeah, I don't know. All scary things. So I know you've got some other tools in your grooming tool belt. <laughs> 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 What are some of the things, you can, you've kind you touched on it a little bit, but can you kind of give a little bit more detail on some of the things that you do to help reduce the animal's stress level? So it starts, I suppose, when they
2: first come in. I mean, there's a lot of dogs now that don't enjoy the car journeys. And yeah. talking to several of the, the clients, it's like, well yeah the only time he goes in the car is he's going to the vets or he's coming to you and it's like okay, could you not take them somewhere fun in between even if it's just five minutes down the road get out and you have a nice walk because they're getting in the car and they're thinking oh I don't enjoy this place that I'm getting to so they're getting themselves all worked up and then by the time they've got to me and it's like oh I don't really like it so I Mm -hmm. I sort of give them about five minutes to decompress so they get a chance to have a wander around the salon some of them, they'll get treats if they've been before. So just put a couple down and you can sort of gauge when they've, like, okay, you're eating the treats. Okay, you've calmed down a little bit because you know as soon as if they're not eating the treats and then you know they always eat the treats, it's like, yeah, you're still a little bit wound up. We'll just leave you for a few more yeah. minutes. So it was a good invitation. But first visit, anybody gets that. So they come, they have a wander around. I leave a couple of snuffle mats down so I can have a sniff of around, sit, check things out. And then we sort of introduce them to the different areas. So the bathing area, the table, brushes, dryers and things like that. So it's just about introducing them slowly to see what they enjoy or not necessarily enjoy, what they can cope with, what they can't cope with if I need to change the dryers. So from the blaster down to a stand dryer
1: or even a hand dryer. So Mm.
2: it's just the noises maybe sometimes it's like, well, okay, you don't like that. Mm.
1: Yeah. When you talked about the snuffle mat, it caused me to think of doctor's offices. And I don't know if they all have them, but I've seen some that have like the little kids play area. It's kind of like a little alcove or sort of somewhat enclosed area where they can go and play. And never really thought about it before. I thought I was thinking of it as, oh, well, that's just a way for parents not to have to keep a like a constant eye on them or something while they're waiting but that also might actually be a way to help calm the kids down too if they're the ones that are going in for the appointment yeah yeah it
0: makes sense yeah
1: yeah so like the snuffle mat and different things like that seems like a a really good idea it's something that they can engage in and maybe have some fun with or something so that you're providing them with a positive experience yeah before anything even happens yeah yeah Yeah. the the idea is
2: that they come and it's like okay we start with a positive and we always try and end with a positive so okay if you don't enjoy the middle bit it's like you've had a good start you've had a good finish so it's like yeah they're the bits that they tend to remember they can sort of forget the middle bit so yeah Mm. end on a positive and it's like yeah that's fine
1: have you had any times where you've had an animal come in and they're just too stressed for you to be able to work on them in any way not the big dog i think is the worst one that i've had Mm. she's just a bag of nerves
2: so I can literally probably do about five, 10 minutes at the most with her. She's the worst one I've had in. Everybody else is sort of, okay, we can calm down or they get a break in between and then we'll go back to another bit and then they're fine again or I've swapped something out. And yeah, I can cope with that. But no, she's she's the worst one, I think, for not doing
0: it or not. Yeah, well, that, that just goes it. to the resiliency of most animals. Like if the majority of your clients can cope with some level of grooming, even if they have some type of nervous energy to them well number 1 that's just a tick in the column that you know your approach is actually beneficial for these animals but it also shows that all animals are not the same yeah you're going to have one that might be harder to work with and one that might be like a breeze and a half and it's so easy to work with and then you have this wide spectrum of varying individual personalities, but they all have one thing in common. They all can find some resiliency within the process.
2: Oh Yeah, I think that reminds me, I've got a customer, she rang up well, probably a couple of months ago. Uh, she got a little dog. She needed a nails Him, The vets have refused to clip her nails. Without being sedated. Mm. So I said, why? She said, uh well, it takes five of them to hold her and huh. um, she's bitten the vet or she's bitten two of them. I was like, okay, fine. I said, well, how about I come to visit you? Because I do in home grooming as well. So I turned up. I didn't put my top on or anything else. So she didn't know who I was. Dog's like, okay, who is this? I don't mm. So she's busy running around. So I sat down on the sofa next to her and uh, come and make friends. She took a couple of treats. I said like, fine. So I didn't make a fuss. Just picked her up, went in the kitchen. I popped her on top of her. It was a washing machine with a towel down. Picked a foot up, clipped four nails. Clipped, picked the other foot up, clipped four nails. And then clipped the back two. I said like, okay. I said to mum, I said, I don't quite know what the vets were doing, but hmm. that was fine. She said, have you done yet? I said, yeah. She said, well, there was no screaming. I said, no. And she didn't bite me either. Hmm. But for her, I think it was just the change of, I'm not going to the vet. Is the smell and the place and everything else? Whereas somebody coming to her, it's like, oh, it's just switched something in her head. It's like, okay, that wasn't that terrible. Yes, I mean, I can deal with this. (laughs) Don't get me wrong, she didn't, she's not perfect. We still get a little wiggly every now and again and oh, no, you don't want that one. And so we come back to that one, but I get them done and she's, oh, yeah, we're all happy again at the end. So it's a win for her, it's a win for mum. Fine. And it's just literally changing all right, we don't take her somewhere. Somebody comes to her and it's a win. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah it, it seems like it's probably shifted a lot in the time that I've been alive, but, <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> but I think there has been a lot of mentality of, oh, if I feel like I can't control or if I feel like I can't understand and I can't get the animal or the person To behave in the way that I want them to behave, then I'm going to try to control them and force them. Because I remember my mom telling me, I don't remember the experience, but my mom told me that the first time she took me to the dentist, they had like three people holding me down. Oh, wow. Wow. And I don't know how I was responding. I'm assuming I was responding fearfully, I guess. My mom, at least, she must have been in the room. So she saw what happened. And she's like, no, this is not happening. She never brought me back to that dentist again. And, you know, I don't have a fear of dentists now. So that's good. (laughs) So I think I have to give credit to my mom for recognizing it's like, okay, this is not the way to deal with things and removing me from that situation.
0: I love that because that right there proves that when you advocate for your child or your animal your child or your animal is better off. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are other groomers in your region that kind of have more of a, for the animal's perspective, a fear-based approach where they have the three people holding them down or, you know, things that are just uncomfortable for the animal. And I feel bad for those animals when they're people don't advocate for their security yeah. and they just assume that this is how it's done
2: yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's the worrying thing it's like you get owners mm-hmm. saying oh well they'll, they'll get used to it or they'll put up with it or just get on with it and it's like no oh, that's not really how it should be and it's mm-hmm. like okay you're the one that needs educating on that rather than the dog's fine but we need to educate you and that's like mm-hmm. you're not mm-hmm. going to reach everybody I guess but
1: no but the people who are ready to listen or the ready to change the way they do things those are the ones you're probably going to reach
2: yeah yeah for sure
1: those that bring the animals
0: into the conversation
1: yeah yeah and in time maybe it will eventually all kind of go in the direction of what you are trying to offer yeah
2: yeah I think some of that is getting into the groomers mindset as if right you've got a dog on the table it's going to take you I don't know 30 minutes longer than a normal dog if you like (laughs) are they going to see that or they just going to say oh I can't be bothered to spend the extra time yeah we're just going to get it done and we'll attach it to this that and the other and it's done Mm -hmm. so that's the other thing that we've got to change the groomer's mindset as well about we need to have a better practice for the dogs.
0: Mm -hmm. Hopefully this podcast interview will maybe shift a couple. Uh, Hopefully we have some people out there that are interested in either learning how to groom or want to provide a better grooming experience for their animal and, your story and your approach can make a ripple in that industry. It doesn't matter to me how small that ripple is, as long as it changes the mindset of a handful of people, then that can move into a bigger ripple, and then a bigger ripple, and bigger ripple. And we can let people know that that's not how it has to be done. You mm-hmm. can yeah. do it this way.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So, groomers, listen up. <laughs> <laughs> There are better ways.
1: Yeah. Well, and I know that there are many groomers who are trained sort of like an apprentice by other groomers. But you had mentioned before when we talked that you had actually received a diploma as a groomer. Yeah. Can you explain what the difference is between somebody who's just trained by a groomer that's been in the field for a while compared to actually taking school training? So over here we have, it's called, well, I think there's several
2: different exams now you can take, but my one was a city and guilds. So you start off a, a level two, which means you're only qualified in theory to bathe and dry the dogs. So you're not a qualified groomer, but there's a lot of groomers out there that are level two. So okay. the next stage up is the level three, which they teach you how to clip a variety of dogs, breed standard and everything. So that's fine. Um, you have to take an exam and then you go for the diploma, which is the next one, uh, which is the one that I've got. So I'm what they call fully qualified. You can take higher exams and there's different as an ipet award now and um i'm not sure the one there's mvqs and all sorts but the strange thing is you do not have to be qualified to be a groomer Mm -hmm. you could go out tomorrow and start up as a dog groomer there are no Mm -hmm. um licensing regulations about being a groomer which Mm -hmm. is quite worrying same here as
1: in north america
2: yeah so anybody just yeah, can go and get a pair of clippers and start clipping out a dog,
1: mm-hmm. and yeah,
2: you see on the Facebook groups, I've got this dog on the table, I don't know what to do, and it's like, no, it's just kind of worrying. Or I've clip, I've cut this dog's ear, what do I do? Oh my, it's, yeah, it's like, why are you on Facebook to asking questions? Why are you not either contacting the owner, a vet? Why are you posting like these people? They just like mm, no, you shouldn't be in charge of a live animal if you that's your first port of call is Facebook. Right. Yeah. There's still so much
1: lack of awareness. Oh, yeah. It's not because people don't care for animals or want to do the best by their animals, but they don't necessarily know what they should be thinking of and what they should be considering and things like that. And I had And I'm going to include myself as one of those people, because, you know, I have a background as an animal health technologist. And so when I did work in that role, I did do some shaving because we would shave for surgery or we would shave mats off or something like that. We'd clip nails, clean anal glands, all that kind of stuff. So later on, I ended up doing some pet sitting services. And I ended up having a client who had asked me, I never advertised it, but she had asked me to shave her poodle. And I didn't really think much of it. I was like, okay. But I didn't have enough experience with the blades to fully Uh understand what blade was appropriate to use. And she only had one blade option. She didn't have multiple blade options. And I didn't have my own grooming supplies because I wasn't planning on doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I ended up clipping too close to the skin and cutting the dog on the skin in a couple of places. Uh-huh. I felt bad because I never wanted to do that. But I didn't have the awareness or the knowledge yeah. to really know what I was doing. I didn't know the questions to ask or any of things like that. So that i think is what really needs to come into play is encouraging people to talk to experienced people like yourself and saying okay i was asked to do this or i'm thinking of doing this what do i need to consider mm, yeah the the
2: other worrying trend is i think over lockdown there was a lot of people did the online grooming courses like mm. so, oh, okay. okay so they've never touched a dog they've just learned all the theory i suppose and then it's like yeah. Oh, yeah i've done this course and it's like okay not touched the dog how are you actually going to groom this dog when it's in front of you and it's like well, theory's all right and yet it, we need a background in theory to know what you're doing and everything but it's like if you're just going to start up without going like having a trial there at a groomers or seeing if you like it it's kind of worrying mm-hmm. yeah i think and maybe we'll get there
0: i hope we do But I think in most developed countries, if you cut human hair or you do any type of grooming on humans, you need a license. You need to be registered with the state. You need to have an extensive background of schooling. You have to go to a beauty school and you have to learn on humans before you can actually make money doing it and I hope and pray that at some point we start looking at animals in the same mindset as we do other humans and don't just think that oh it's an animal I can make money off of that I want to learn how to cut hair on this particular type of breed So Mm. I'm going to go to school and I'm going to be taught properly and have a practicum and learn the theory and get a license. And I don't think, I mean, yeah, you're always going to have your owners doing their own clipping and grooming, which at least do it with some level of knowledge and acknowledgement of the animal. But for people who are making money doing it, I, I hope that we get to the point where if you're going to be a professional groomer, you have to have a license. You have to have some form of schooling that involves both the theory and the practicum uh. before you go into a salon and start yes. doing that. Because there's an awful lot of animal psychology needs to go into it. Animal behaviorism that needs to go into it. Obviously, the theory involves on how to properly do it without hurting the animal in any way, shape or form. I just, maybe it's a pipe dream but that's where I hope we can get to at some point. Yeah. I mean,
2: they do keep talking about it every now and again, that they're going to bring licensing out for it, but I don't know. We're still in the pipe dream over here for it. So yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Right. I'm sending it out into the universe. (laughs) That's what we want.
1: (laughs) Well, things are shifting. It might be maybe a slow one in our, in our perspective, but, you know, things have changed a lot, I think, in the last 20 years. Oh, yeah, right. I agree totally.
2: with that. Totally. I mean, I was growing up and I, was like, I said to dad, I said, did we ever take our dog to the roomies He said, yeah, I think we took her once. And it's like, well, I didn't even know a thing sort of existed back then. And it's like they were just obviously well hidden and not very well advertised. Now it's like mm. you can't go probably two miles down a road without saying, Oh, yeah, dog groomer, dog groomer. Yeah.
1: I want to congratulate you for having recently won an award for best niched groomer. Thank you. Can you share a little bit more about that experience and what and what the award was all about? So it's part of my I belong
2: to a I don't know what you call it, a pet business mentorship scheme. And um, so mm-hmm. there's all different pet businesses all in there. And once a year we go up to Sunderland and we have two days of seminars and then in the evening drinking and meal and everything. And he does prizes. So I won best niche dog groomer out of our group. So. Nice. Cool. But yeah. I'm glad that it was
0: recognized because yeah. again, yes. the whole stress-free component to what you do, mm-hmm. I think is... So vitally important for any of these service providers that we use for our animals, mm-hmm. stress-free is the way to go. And I'm glad that they recognize you for that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I managed to get a piece in our local paper about it. So that was just getting the word a bit more out there as well. So yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. that's it. Otherwise, you you're a well-kept secret. And it's like yeah, no, yeah, right, yeah, <laughs> out there a bit more.
1: I want to go back a little bit to like some of the tools that you use, because you've had some other additional training besides the grooming training that I think you use to help support the animals. Yeah. I mean, I've done dog behavior. I had an accident
2: before I started dog grooming um, where I stopped a dog fight and I ended up losing part of my finger mm. through physically trying to stop the dogs fighting, which looking back wasn't the sensiblest thing, but you just try and stop them. So I wanted to learn more about dog behavior and body language. So I've done courses on that to help me understand what that dog is trying to communicate with us. And then I've also done Tellington Tea Touch and Reiki just Mm -hmm. to help me put the dogs at ease a bit more with like little touches every now and again even when i'm bathing it's just like how i put the shampoo on sometimes and there's just different touches every now and again some dogs like it some dogs don't like one particular move so i'll change the, the move to something else and they like okay they don't like that one or they'll like it in different parts of the body so it's finding what works for that dog it's like we said before not one size fit all dogs so i could do this one called like a leopard cloud leopard so it's like a circular move Oh, I could do that on a back on somebody and it's like wait, get the next dog will oh, no, they'll be doing that don't like that yeah. you prefer any ear slide so it's just mm-hmm. finding what works for that dog or where they're at at that particular time so mm-hmm. it's just okay try that no don't like that oh try that oh yeah that, I quite like that and you can just see, physically see them relax and it's like oh mm-hmm. yeah that's
1: quite nice mm-hmm.
0: again every animal is different yeah mm-hmm. you cannot have the same approach with every dog. Yeah. Or every cat or every animal or even every human. You just can't have the same approach. Oh yeah. Everybody's different.
2: That's like you can take one dog to the park and oh yeah, he wants to run around and meet all these other doggy friends and the next dog's like, I don't want to meet anybody. But it's like, mm-hmm. like me, yep. Yeah, I don't want to go out and meet everybody and be chatty with everybody else. I can probably mm-hmm. go and see my friend and have a chit chat with her, but yeah, yeah, I don't want to be face to face with everybody. It's why would you? Mm-hmm. We're not all built the same. So not all
1: dogs are built the same. So mm-hmm. makes sense. I am of the opinion that I think it should be made mandatory that anybody who works with animals in a physical sense that they should have to take like an animal communication or behavior type course so that they can understand what the animal is communicating in their body language, in their vocalizations, whatever it might be. I think that would be really beneficial as part of a grooming
2: like syllabus if there was something in there, because at the minute it's not. I mean, even if it was like in the first level too, because that's mainly a lot of theory and learning. So in there, that would be really helpful along with everything else. It's like they get to let that dog's not before they even get to touch the dogs with the clipping and everything that would fit in really well. But yeah,
0: I would think it would have to be a prerequisite to even start. You got to understand your clients,
2: you know, Uh, you have
0: to It's just going to make you a better human overall, not just a better groomer to Mm -hmm. understand how other species communicate. I think it, I may be alone in this, but I think it should be a prerequisite. If you want to work with animals, you need to understand how they think first.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, unfortunately, that's not even a prerequisite in the human field because yeah. I mean, how I know. doctors don't understand the humans that they work with. <laughs> I'm just full of pipe dreams today, aren't I? <laughs> yeah.
2: But on your wish list.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Just give me an altruistic word. I'll be good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I'd really like to, you know, because obviously since you are a local, grooming is something that can only be done locally. For those who obviously can't come to you, even if they did come to you, what do you believe pet owners should ask themselves and consider before bringing their pet to a grooming facility? And what should they ask a grooming facility before booking a first time appointment with them?
2: Oh, that's really good. Um, I think, see, for me, I tend to check people out on the website because i good example I've been looking at hairdressers today so for me I look to see what they do see what style they've done before and see what they say about themselves so if I sort of agree with how they work and what they've done before and well, then it's like okay well then I'll go to the next step and can I book online or how do I book with you and sort of okay what frequently asked questions have there been before and, or can I come for a look around and stuff like that if they're going to say oh no you can't come for a look around well what are you hiding why can't I come for a look around even if it's like Mm. five minutes at the end of the day it's like you don't have to have any dogs in book a spot for somebody to come and look around that's fine but you want to be able to like the place where you're taking the dog feel comfortable where you're going like for me now any new customers they have to come and we've got sort of like a an orientation session so they get to meet me the salon I get to meet them and their dogs the dogs get to have the sniff around and everything that owners can ask me questions they can feel me out if they like it's like what do I do what do I think of the dog we can discuss coats like brushes what they're doing at home how they can improve and then if they decide that they don't like me they don't want to work with me then they're free they don't have to book another appointment but if they do then we book an appointment for them so mm. transparency basically
0: yeah mm. yeah when a customer is looking for a potential salon or service for their animal, that would be probably the biggest thing is transparency. If they're going to let you look around, if they're going to allow you to meet them and see their process, then I would say that's a green flag that okay go further yeah but yeah, if they I mean, want to hide behind this glass box we're like <laughs> no you can't see what we do yeah <laughs> move on <laughs> find another one
2: <laughs> i mean it's the same with if the owners have come and the dogs have been in for the groom and they'll say how was fluffy today and i'll say yeah it was a little bit funny with his legs where some groomers like, oh he's been fine it's like why are you lying to that customer it's like mm. if fluffy didn't like his legs why are you not telling them because they could be working on holding their legs at home they could be doing something to help to help you rather than okay fluffy doesn't like his legs but next time it's gonna get worse because fluffy's still not gonna like his legs and gonna be dancing all the time Mm -hmm, so i'm trying to be as clear as possible with the customers when they come back say we didn't like this today we're really struggling Mm -hmm. okay is there anything we can do at home well yeah just try and hold his foot at night times just for two seconds put it down do it again a bit later just see Mm. if that works incremental yeah Mm. but if they're not interested in working then it works both ways well fluffy's never going to get any better because you only come every eight weeks Mm. fluffy forgets Mm -hmm. so right
1: Do you think it could be beneficial for first time clients to fill out kind of like a a brief questionnaire because maybe they might not think of it off the top of their head that if it's like things that they may have done themselves as well as maybe previous experiences as a groomer at other groomers. Oh, well, when I tried brushing the dog, it reacted this way. Or when I tried clipping the nails, it reacted this way. Or when I took them to the groomer, assuming that the groomer was honest and told them what happened. (laughs) Or even just how the dog reacted after the grooming experience and that. Because they may not necessarily think to mention these kinds of things unless they're asked about it. Do you think it could be beneficial for something like that? Yeah, probably. It's a bit hard to have a
2: generic form, I guess to cover everything. Mm. So I I do have like a a mini questionnaire that they they get to fill in. Is there anything like allergies, issues that so if they know that there's something the dog's struggling with or struggled with in the past, then we've Mm -hmm. asked to declare it and anything they'd like help with or things like that. So I sort of keep it broad and then when the owners come in we have a chat and you can sort of dig a little bit deeper because they'll say, oh well, he was a bit touchy with his legs and it's like, right, so will he let you hold his legs at night time no he doesn't really like that so you sort of mm. dig in and you can find out a little bit more well well about a fortnight ago he got something in his foot oh, mm. okay so it stems back to he'd hurt his foot so his foot's a little bit sore so he's not keen on that. so you find out why the issue was there and then mm. okay we can work around that mm-hmm. so I won't hold his foot for this week and we'll hold his arm or something just to mm-hmm. get around it so yeah it's just finding the work around
1: right yeah do you find that sometimes part of your job is not just doing the grooming and helping them to sort of feel comfortable with the process but it's also partly training the humans as well yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: it's trying to get the humans to listen <laughs> sometimes and, and trying right. to get them it's like yeah that's not... Yeah, because there are those people
0: that are like, just fix them. Yeah. 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 Uh, sorry, it <laughs> doesn't work that way.
2: <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, most of mine are, are pretty good and they, they do listen and want to work. So I was like, yeah, that's fine. I did have a customer a little while back. She she brought the dog in. She's a hand strip dog. So you literally are pulling like the top coat out So it, instead of clipping. Hmm. Kept putting the brush down because I have a brush to brush the coat up so I can then pull it so it's a bit easier to see. Every time I put the brush down, the dog went to eat it. Like, what are you doing? So I moved it out of the way. I said to Mum later, I said, Can you brush the dog? I'm like, Yeah, but she eats the brush, right? So are you letting her eat the- yeah, we just let her eat the brush. Like, well, oh You goodness. really shouldn't let her eat the brush because it's not really helpful when she comes here because now she's eating my brush. So like, right. but things like that. It's like they think it's accept <laughs> right, we'll give her that brush to eat while we're just brushing her. It's like, Well, could you give her give her something else to distract her, not the brush? Because the yeah. brush is work as
1: opposed to um, doing something like a lick mat or something could really work in that type of situation yeah yeah I think the fact that you actually call yourself the stress-free groomer probably makes a big difference to the clients you attract because they're already open-minded to yeah, I want to have this experience for my pets. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I have had a few that my voicemail as
2: well will sort of either polarize the the right sort of customers. So they'll hear the voicemail and it's like, okay, they'll leave the message, but they know what they're sort of getting from the voicemail and same with the name oh, I've been looking for a stress-free groomer for my dog for ages. I'm so glad that I found you. I was like, oh, yeah, that's fine. But some of them, it's like, yeah, can you just put my dog in? It's like, well, I can. But. Mm. Or I'm not really what you were looking for. You're just looking for a groomer, which is fine. I can just groom your dog, but you are not my specialty, if you like. right? Yeah. And then just like they start to say, oh, well, I well, start from this. And then they go, oh, no, thanks. So, yeah, yes, because this is what I specialize in. So you just want Joe that's just gonna clip you off quick and yeah, job done. You don't care about the dog. They want somebody to just fix it. Yeah. Here's my dog, fix them. Yeah, it doesn't work that
0: way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can you tell I get frustrated with some of these guardians out there that just yeah. think that they can control their animals?
2: Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think there was a one of our groomers on one of the groups has a, has a saying, something about a good groom can be fast or cheap but a good groom is never something about it, something about a groom being fast and cheap or it's, it's never good and cheap or something i can't remember which yeah, way around yeah. is, but yeah mm. i
1: always
2: like that one you mm-hmm. have to look at the proper version of that but something like that
1: right Like a good groom is going to take time in order to work with the personality and individuality and the characteristics of each animal. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. The best one I went to, I I went to a -a cockapoo in somebody's home and just clipped her off, and she's, oh, you've really captured her personality. And I'm thinking, oh, okay. I didn't really know it. That was the first time I'd met, so I was like, that's an achievement because I didn't really know what her personality was like. But (laughs) you have left her face right. It's like cool. That's.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Sometimes you can just hit it right, and it's like you'd not even know what you've done, but it's just sometimes it's fun. Yeah, that's when you know you're good at your job. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah my new customer last week or oh, Monday, she came in, she'd got two um Cairn Terriers, she came in and she stayed because I allow There's something different about me as well. I allow owners to stay, there's a lot of salons. You can't stay and everything, so like allowed us to mm-hmm. stay. And she saw what we did and how I how I was with the dogs. And she said at the end, "Oh, thank you so much. You've put my mind at rest. It was so nice, it just calmed her down." And a lot of the times, it's it's dealing with the owner's anxiety as opposed to the dogs, where the dogs are picking it up off the owners. Oh if yeah, owners are stressed. It's like the dogs are stressed. Why am I stressed? I don't know. But Mama's stressed, so I need to be stressed, and it's like.
1: Mom calms yeah. down
2: the dog calms down it's so much easier mm-hmm. yeah
1: is there anything else that you would like to share that maybe we haven't covered I don't think so I think we covered quite a lot <laughs> <laughs> well we really enjoyed having you on the animal files and I'm really glad that we were able to bring this information to our listeners thank you for having me it's been a pleasure so where can people find you if they want to find you specifically or if they just want to follow you (laughs) (laughs)
2: Uh, i am on facebook uh so whatever that is facebook forward slash the stress free groomer or the website is uk. I think it's .com as well. You've got two websites? Yeah, or... the .com one's not working at the minute. So I know oh, okay. uk is working. The .com's having issues at the minute, I think so.
1: Okay, and you're on Instagram as well? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that should just be the stress-free groomer, but i can't I, something like that it should be just a stress-free groomer, but yeah yeah well we'll put all the links that you had provided us in the show notes so that people can find it easily yeah we'll <laughs> make sure we
0: put it in as.co.uk okay just yes. like be on the safe side awesome well thank yeah. you so much for joining us i thoroughly enjoyed this conversation obviously i appreciate anybody who puts the animal first in what they do. And I thank you on behalf of all of the conscious animal owners out there.
2: (laughs) It's been fun. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah.
0: So to honor your time, we will let you go. I know it's getting later in the afternoon for you. Uh, It's quarter past eight. Yep. So (laughs) if you want to know any more about what Allison does. Again, her name is Allison Pearson. You can find her at the stressfreegroomer.co.uk and under stressfreegroomer, Facebook, Instagram, you'll find her. I'm sure she can direct if you have questions. Thank you so much. And we'll let you go and have a wonderful evening. Thank you very much. Come back again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Take care. Again, another great conversation. If you want to know anything more about Allison, you can just check the show notes. We're going to have her links on our website as well. And that's the animalfilespodcast.com. And check the notes. We're going to have it all there. Uh, if you have any questions whatsoever about the concept of the stress free services, her particular service, which is stress free grooming, or if you want to start the ripple that we talked about and ask your own service providers about stress free, you can share this with them, and maybe we can start a movement. I don't hmm. know. Pipe dream. Good idea. I guess it's all about pipe <laughs> dreams today. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for listening today, and hopefully it was informative. And as always, if you have questions about any of this, you can email us at the Animal Files podcast at gmail.com. You can check out our socials. You can check out ways to support us. You can get resources. We get a lot of stuff for you over on our website, and that's the Animal Files Podcast.com. Anything else you'd like to say to the people at home, Miranda? Or are we good for today?
1: I think we're good. I think you basically covered everything that we need, and we've got everything covered in the interview itself, I think. So yeah, we'd love to hear your feedback.
0: <laughs> yeah, we like to make it
1: easy for everybody. So... <laughs>
0: Share us out. Like, subscribe, do all the fun things. And we will see you all next time on the Animal Files podcast. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.